What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidts. We're going to be breaking down the Jonathan Taylor trade request in the NFC West on today's podcast. It's an absolutely loaded show. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Let's start with the news that broke, I believe it was last night, yesterday, Jonathan Taylor has officially been allowed to seek out a trade away from the Indianapolis Colts. People are freaking out. I'm here. I live in Indianapolis, work in the same building as the best sports station in Indianapolis, the fan. People are freaking out. Jonathan Taylor, he's on the move. He's going to leave. Jonathan Taylor, where is he going to go? Oh my gosh, you turn on ESPN, FS1, whatever your choice is. This is the lead story in sports right now. Jonathan Taylor, one of the best running backs in football, is on the move. Where is he going to go? I don't know. I don't think that the market for him is really that great. Because running backs are icing. You've heard me talk about this before if you've been listening for a while. Running back is a position that can be supplemented by other positions doing well. Okay, You don't need a great running back. You have a great offensive line. You don't. You don't need a great running back if you have a really good offensive coach. You don't need a great running back if you're able to stretch teams deep down the field and so they have to keep two safeties over the top and they're not able to put seven or eight guys in the box. You don't need a great running back if that's the case. They are icing. They are nice to have, but they are not a requirement to be a top-tier NFL football team. Okay, you've heard me talk about how easy it is to find other running backs because there are a lot of them. You can pay way less than you can pay Jonathan Taylor. Now look, Jonathan Taylor, as I said, great running back. Great running back, one of the best in the league. But he's going to run into the same issue no matter where he ends up. Nobody is going to fork out 10, 11, 12, 13 million dollars a year to Jonathan Taylor. It's not going to happen. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? You know, I, I wrote an article a few weeks ago when all the Jonathan Taylor stuff first kind of happened, and I was looking at the numbers for the Colts whenever he played versus when he didn't this last season. In the 11 games Jonathan Taylor played last year, he averaged just under 79 rushing yards a game. Also in those 11 games, the Colts as a team averaged 113 rushing yards a game. It's pretty good. Solid. In the, in the games that he missed, the Colts averaged just under 104 yards a game. That's a nine-yard difference. Why in the world would anybody pay a premium for Jonathan Taylor for only a nine-yard difference? They're running behind the same offensive line. The only difference is the guy who's carrying the football. It's the same coach. I guess last year it wasn't, but still. Why pay premium for a nine-yard difference, okay? It's not like he's splitting out wide, running routes like Christian McCaffrey either. Okay, the running back position just simply isn't super important, so it is an icing position, which means that teams that have already assembled the cake can take on Jonathan Taylor and rent him basically for this next season, pay him $4 million, see if you can resign him in the offseason. If not, then he walks, and it's kind of like, yeah, we can go get another one. 
We can go draft one in the fourth round and be just fine. So those teams are these Super Bowl-level teams, right? The Chiefs, they could totally make a run at him. The the Eagles, they'd be great with him, okay? We know how well Sirianni runs the football. You know, they bring in a guy like Jonathan Taylor. I mean, that run game goes to a whole nother level between Jalen Hurts and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield, and they have DeAndre Swift now as well. I mean, several guys in that system would then be able to carry the football, which would be great for the Eagles. I think the Bills, though, should be the first team on the phone. They haven't been able to run the ball in years outside of Josh Allen. They need a guy to come in who can consistently run the football. Jonathan Taylor can be that guy. Okay, I know they're hoping that James Cook can emerge in his second year, but let me ask you a question. Would you rather bet on James Cook in his second year or go get Jonathan Taylor, a proven commodity, a guy who you know can run the football in the NFL? Who would you rather have? The answer is Jonathan Taylor. The answer is Jonathan Taylor. And then, you know, you try to resign him at the end of the year. You know, if he doesn't want to resign, then you go draft a running back in the fourth round and you, you know, you split cares between James Cook and your fourth round pick from next year. That's what you do. I think those are the three main teams that I think would pick up the phone and call Indy. Maybe the Dolphins, but they've got, you know, a stable of running backs. When we look across the NFC, maybe the Seahawks make the call. You know, you don't know how healthy uh, Walker the Third is going to be this year. So there's not really too, too many teams that are really in the market for a running back. There, there just there aren't. And so, yeah, it's going to be interesting just to kind of see where he ends up. He could end up just staying in Indianapolis. That's very possible as well. Because I don't think that the Colts are going to move off of him unless they give what they want, which is a first-round pick or the equivalent of a first-round pick. And I just, I don't know if they're going to get that. I don't know if they're going to get that. They might get a second-round pick, or the equivalent to a second-round pick. But that's really, I think, it's Because it's just, it's a position that people don't really care about. And as I said, that's easy to find. Like, why would I give up a first- or a second-round pick when I could just go to these undrafted free agents or I could just go to the waiver wire, whatever, and I can pull somebody in and do just fine. I mean, outside of those four teams, outside of the Bills, the Eagles, the Chiefs, and maybe the Dolphins, no one else needs a running back. Okay, I've seen people throughout the Cowboys, maybe Jerry Jones wants to go get Jonathan Taylor. That's very possible. Because it is Jerry Jones, and he does stuff like that. He's very aggressive. Maybe that happens, but they already have Pollard. They don't really need another running back. But at the same time, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt. So may, maybe you can throw the Cowboys in there as well. Five teams, four teams that could potentially make a run for him. Potentially none. It would not surprise me in the slightest if Jonathan Taylor played you know 17 games for the Colts this year. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into the NFC West as we continue to predict all of the divisions in the NFL, what's going to happen this upcoming season. We're, you know, two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks away from the start of the season, so very ready for that. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more Shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more Shooting the Schmidt. going to break down the NFC West, give you my prediction how that division is going to turn out on the season. As I was prepping for the segment, doing my research, I had this realization 
that the NFC West is unlike any other division in the NFL in the way that it is not defined <clears throat> excuse me in a way that it is not defined by the quarterbacks in the division but rather it is defined by the head coaches the head coaches in this division are the face of their franchises not their quarterbacks and there's not another division in the NFL like this okay Sean McVay is the face of the Rams Kyle Shanahan is the golden boy of the NFL. He's the face of the 49ers. Pete Carroll's been around for forever. He is the face in Seattle. And then, you know, there's Jonathan Gannon for the Arizona Cardinals, who's a first-year head coach, who was a defensive coordinator for the Eagles last year. It's just, it's so interesting how in a league where the quarterback is the face of the franchise, the NFC West stands out. They are alone in this department. They are known for their coaches, not their starting quarterbacks. Three of them, at least. The fourth one, the Arizona Cardinals. Let's get into them first, okay? Cardinals are going to be the worst team in this division. They are also on Caleb Williams' watch. Okay, now let's start with the coaching. This a lot of turnover on this roster and in you know these coaching rooms. The three most important positions on a coaching staff, head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. Jonathan Gannon, first-year head coach. Drew Petzing, hope I'm pronouncing that properly. First-time offensive coordinator for the Cardinals. Defensive coordinator Nick Rallis. Also his first stint as the defensive play caller. That means his coaching staff is incredibly inexperienced at the most important spots on a coaching staff. In order for the Cardinals to be competitive at all, all three of these guys are going to have to learn quickly. Okay. Now the one thing they have going for them is Kyler Murray. I'll be honest, that's not much. Okay, Murray's stock has plummeted over these last two years. He's been hurt, and his reputation took a major hit when all the film-watching requirement contract stuff came out. Now he's heading into a season where DeAndre Hopkins is no longer present. DeAndre Hopkins, no longer there. Now, Kyler Murray, not a bad quarterback without DeAndre Hopkins, but he's clearly better when he has him, which I know isn't a revolutionary take. Every quarterback, well, Almost every quarterback is better when they have their best receiver. Okay, In the 26 games, Kyler Murray did not have DeAndre Hopkins. He had a passer rating of 86, threw for 6,000 yards, 31 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Okay, That's not, not bad numbers. Those are solid. But in the games he did have him, he had a passer rating of 98.4, threw for 7,500 yards, 53 touchdowns, and 24 interceptions. That's over the course of 31 games with Hopkins in the lineup. That's a major difference. Okay, and I'm sorry, but Marquise Brown and Rondale Moore aren't going to make up for the absence of DeAndre Hopkins. Pair that with the fact that this offensive line really needs work. Okay, I like how they drafted Paris Johnson Jr. in the first round with the sixth overall pick out of Ohio State. That's like that's a left tackle that should be around for a long time. But there's still concerns about Froholt, young interior offensive lineman, and Will Hernandez, as well as there's concern that, that Kevin Beecham could fall off. I mean, this offensive line could be really bad this year. That's just on offense. We're talking about the issues on offense. They have even more issues on the defensive side of the ball. Buda Baker is the only player on this Cardinals roster outside of Kyler Murray that I know for a fact is good. He's the only player on this defense where I'm like, Buda Baker, I know he's a good football player. Everybody else, I'm just like, I have no idea. 
They don't have much of a pass rush. They're going to really be relying on B.J. Ojolari, who's a rookie second-round pick out of LSU. Anytime you're relying on a rookie to be your main pass rusher, like that's an issue. Okay, Outside of Buda Baker in the secondary, it's not very good. It's a lot of question marks. Uh, rookie cornerback Garrett Will- Williams, he's hurt right now. He could potentially be a long-term solution to corner, but who knows? He's a rookie. His first year is probably going to be rough. Additionally, they've got guys like Antonio Hamilton, Marco Wilson, Jalen Thompson in the secondary who don't exactly give me confidence. Okay, and neither does Simmons or Collins. The secondary is bad. They don't have a pass rush. The linebackers are eh. Okay, I mean, I just I don't know how this team wins very many games with how inexperienced the coaching staff is and how bad the roster is. Pair that with the fact that we know the 49ers are going to be good and we know that the Seahawks are going to be good. Like That's four really tough games already. If the Rams figure it out, if Matthew Stafford stays healthy, the Rams could be tough as well. This Arizona Cardinals team is going to be bad. Okay, moving on to the 49ers. 49ers continue to have high expectations, and they will always have high expectations, no matter who the quarterback is, because they have Kyle Shanahan. Okay, everybody, me, everybody in the media, Everybody loves this guy. Everybody has this undying faith in Kyle Shanahan. So much that Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant in last year's draft, is going to be the starter week one, and people are picking the 49ers to win this division. Some people are predicting them to go to the Super Bowl. Now, to be fair, Brock Purdy's coming off a really promising nine games. Put those nine, the nine in quotes. He only started five of those games. He had Tommy John surgery in the offseason to repair his elbow. He didn't take that many snaps. We've seen him throw less than 200 passes in the NFL. He's thrown 174 passes in the NFL. That is it. Why are we making him out to be the guy that's going to help Kyle Shanahan win his first Super Bowl? We need to see more. I need to see more. Okay, The best defense he was going to see was the Philadelphia Eagles last year in the NFC Championship game. He got hurt after four pass attempts. Okay, in four of the nine games that he appeared in last year, he threw less than 10 passes. In the other five games, he faced the Dolphins, the Buccaneers, the Seahawks twice, the Commanders, the Raiders, the Cardinals, and the Cowboys. That I My notes are wrong there. That's fine. Of the defenses that he saw and the defenses that he legitimately played against, the best defense that he saw was Dallas. They were rated second in terms of DVOA. And after that... The best defense he saw was the Commanders, who were good defensively but not great. Okay, none of the other defenses that he faced were very good. Hey, I am not sold on Brock Purdy being the guy for the 49ers. Now, he is the type of quarterback that Kyle Shanahan does well with. Okay, he understands the offense, he distributes the ball well, but that isn't the type of quarterbacking that wins Super Bowls. It's not. Okay, we know this defense is going to be good. We know Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey are going to be the focal points of the offense. And there's this idea that because those three guys are the focal points, it takes pressure off of Brock Purdy. And that isn't true. Brock Purdy is still the guy who has to get those guys the football. Okay, There's this idea that if Purdy can just be a game manager, then the 49ers can come out of the NFC and potentially win the Super Bowl. That's not the case. Playmakers at the quarterback position win Super Bowls. Patrick Mahomes, 
Jalen Hurts. That's why people are taking the Eagles to win the NFC. That's why I'm taking the Eagles to win the NFC. He's probably the best quarterback in that conference. Tom Brady, playmaker. Josh Allen, that's why people like the Bills, because they have a playmaker at quarterback. Same thing with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You need a playmaker at quarterback, and Brock Purdy is not that. It's to a point where I would be surprised if Purdy played in all 17 games. Okay, I think we're going to see some Sam Darnold at some point. We could even see some Trey Lance because you need a playmaker at quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Okay, You can't convince me that Brock Purdy is going to be better than Jimmy G was in 2016 when they almost won it. When they almost won it. I, I highly doubt he's going to be better than Jimmy G was that season. And they didn't win it then. And guess what? That Patrick Mahomes, decent chance he's going to be waiting for them again. You think you're going to beat him with a lesser option at quarterback than you had last time? Not happening. Okay, the 49ers, Super Bowl, and divisional hopes are completely reliant on figuring out who the quarterback is going to be because I don't think that the long-term answer is Brock Purdy. Moving on to the Seahawks. The Seahawks were the surprise of the year last year. Okay, Geno Smith had a really good year. Okay, their rookies made an immediate impact. They should be better this year. Geno Smith is now going to be throwing to one of the best receiving cores in the NFL. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be great for them. He fits so well in that you know number three receiver. Going to be able to work a lot out of the slot. He's going to be really good. Obviously, you got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as well. Kenneth Walker the third will be back after suffering an injury last year. And then if both offensive tackles who are going to be in their second year. Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas can improve upon their solid rookie years. Then, you know, Walker could have another big year running the ball. And if they can protect Geno Smith like they did last year, then he could have another good season. They could very easily be a top 10 offense once again. And they don't only have the pieces on the offensive side to be offensive side of the ball to be good. The defense could be really good as well. They hit on the two defensive backs in last year's NFL draft, right? Tariq Woolen looks like a steal. They got him in the fifth round last year. Uh, Woolen led the league in interceptions last year, for those of y'all who don't know. Meanwhile, Kobe Bryant, great nickelback. Looks like a long-term guy who can kind of defend those guys in the slot. On top of that, with the fifth overall pick in this year's draft, they take Devon Witherspoon, the best corner available. Okay, if he's able to come in and have an immediate impact, then this Seahawks secondary is going to be young, fast, and ruthless. Okay. Oh, have I also forgotten to mention Jamal Adams is still a top-end safety in the NFL. If he can just stay healthy, that'll really help this secondary. Quandre Diggs is still a solid free safety. Uh, Seattle signed Julian Love as well in the offseason. That's a pretty underrated move just to shore up some depth on the back end. Okay, If Geno Smith can be just as good as he was last year, and Witherspoon can provide him an immediate impact for this Seahawks secondary, then this Seahawks team could be a dark horse to win the NFC. I think they're going to be really, really good. Moving on to our final team in the NFC West, the Los Angeles Rams. People aren't high on the Rams. Okay, let's not forget, they won the Super Bowl two years ago. To be fair, they were very different last year than they were the year prior when they did win it all. Okay? Matthew Stafford got hurt. Before he got hurt, though, he struggled to not turn the ball over. He threw eight interceptions in nine games. They went 5-12 and last year. They had a lot of changes on their roster in the offseason. There's some things that 
could potentially work in their favor this year. First of all, they had a lot of bad injury luck last year. They should be much more lucky in that regard. This year, one of those guys being Stafford. If Stafford is healthy, they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFC paired with one of the best coaches in the NFL. Okay, This is a league that is highly reliant upon quarterback and coach combos. Okay, Teams that have both a good quarterback and a good coach usually win a lot of football games. Okay, Sean McVay is a great head coach. Okay, Matthew Stafford is a good quarterback. You could very easily make the argument that the Rams have the best quarterback-coach combo in the NFC West. They do. Okay, when we look across the NFC in general, you know, outside of Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, you could have an argument that Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford are the second-best head-coach-quarterback combo in the NFC. When you have that, you should win a lot of games. Okay, the question is going to be health. Matthew Stafford, 35. He's had multiple injuries throughout his career. If he can stay upright, if he can stay on the field, then the Rams should be able to at least compete with everybody. They still have Cooper Cup. It's one of the best weapons in the NFL. They still have Aaron Donald, who is still dominant on the defensive side of the football and has the ability to take drives over and get stops basically on his own. Okay, there aren't very many defensive linemen in the NFL who can disrupt a game like he can. Okay, there's still top-end talent on this roster. They have a fantastic head coach. People are down on the Rams, and I don't know why. They will, at a minimum, be very competitive. Okay, Sean McVay has done way too much as a head coach for us not to have faith in him. There's no way that this Rams team, coached by Sean McVay, is going to have back-to-back bad seasons. No way it's happening. Here's my final prediction. The Seahawks are going to win this division at 11-6. and 49ers will follow at 10-7. and Then the Rams are going to surprise people and finish with a winning record at 9-8. and And then the Cardinals will be awful. They're going to draft Caleb Williams with the number one overall pick after going 3-14. and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shooting the Schmitz. That's going to do it here for us. I'll be back again on Thursday with another podcast for y'all. Cannot wait to get to it. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope you'll come back. For the next one, like, subscribe, share, do all those different types of things. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all in the next one.